praise team, thank you so much for, for that and just preparing our hearts for worship. That truly was an amazing time in worship. And it's great to see you all today. And when I say see you, I mean, I literally see you. Um, you know, some of you may need to put the mask back on, especially some of you guys. I don't know. It was an improvement for some of you. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear some positive news for a change, right, and moving forward and returning to normalcy. And, um, you know, all of you know the, the updates with, with uh, you know, not needing to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated. So we're kind of marching towards normalcy. Um, you know, it's interesting when we look at the masks and stuff like that. Okay. What did we have? We had people that said, yeah, you, you need them, right? People said that you don't. Had people that said, well, they work. People said they don't, right? And it's almost like you drew a line and you chose a side. So which side were you on, right? You don't have to answer that out loud. But what did we do with the other side? Oh, you're wrong. And I'm right. And what did they do with us? You, you're right. You're wrong. And I'm right. We began to judge others, didn't we? And we're, it's, we're going to be talking about judging others today. You know, one of the most popular verses in all the Bible is Matthew 7.1. It's also one of the most misunderstood verses, missed, misused verses, and taken out of context verses. Um, you know, when I say popular, I mean it's up there with John 3.16. That's interesting to me. When, when we start going through this, you'll, you'll begin to notice um, why it's interesting. But it says this, Matthew 7.1, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, um, I, I've got a screenshot here of my computer I wanted to show you this. Like, so this is, this is my computer, and you can do this when you leave today. When you, if you go to Google and, and you look this up, you look at the Bible says not to, and guess what judge is on here? Number three. Number three. Uh, this, this list is kind of funny. I think you know, number one, don't charge interest on loans, right? <laughs> um, do you see pork on there and pig? Like, that's on there twice in the same category. I mean, I don't understand what people are looking for there. But don't worry. Um, we talked about that last week. Don't cut your hair. I'm good on that one. Um, tattoos. It's just, it's interesting here. But, but it's popular amongst people. People are looking for this phrase here. But they're thinking, hmm, I, I know it says in the Bible somewhere, do not judge, right? And what are they doing? Why are they doing that? Right? They're, they're thinking, they're taking this completely the wrong way. They're taking it out of context. I tell you, when most people are looking at this, they're wanting to either defend or justify their actions, their behavior, and, and they are thinking that way. They're thinking this, have you heard this? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right? That's, that's kind of the flavor. That's why it's so popular. But it's completely wrong. It's completely wrong. What does it mean, do not judge? Well, it can't mean not to judge at all. Um, you know, based upon Scripture, the Bible teaches us to, to judge. It, take, it teaches us to make 
decisions and judgments. Um, Ephesians 5.11 says, Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What does that call for? Right? You've got you to make a judgment. Um, Matthew 18 talks about, you know, if a brother or sister strays or gets caught up in sin, that you are to go to them, right, and talk that through, maybe even uncomfortably confront the, the individual, but it's with the goal of restoration. You know, it's out of, out of love. And what does that call for? You know, you gotta make a you gotta make a judgment. First Corinthians five talks about church discipline, right? And and within the church, you know, you, you've got to make those types of judgments and those decisions. And and two weeks from now we'll we'll talk about this, but the Bible also calls the church to confront false teachers, right? If I mean if I'm up here just saying a bunch of nonsense, right, you all need to make a judgment about me. Do you understand that? The Bible calls us to, to do that. Um, last week, I had the privilege of um, serving in jury duty, right? And <laughs> the lady responsible for that was in the first service, and I told her thank you. But um, uh, so, I mean, it, and honestly, I enjoyed it. Kind of, kind of strange, but I, I really enjoyed it. There was, for me, there was a lot of emotions in that. Um, it was interesting to me. I learned a lot. I heard a lot of things that I got mad at, a lot of things that broke my heart. Um, you, you got to see a, a lot of the things that were just broken in our towns and communities. At the end of the, end of the day, though, we were there to make judgments. Were we not? I mean, under... Under our government and under the law, that's what is asked of us. And, and honestly, when we were done, we made good judgments, I believe, right? And so, um, Jesus isn't saying not to judge altogether. Well, what is, he, what is he saying? Well, we've been in the series called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but in this whole teaching, Jesus is laser focused on you and your heart right and and that doesn't change into today's teaching right and Jesus pulled people away hey get away from the routine get away from religion get away from checking all these boxes right if you want to follow me and you want a relationship with my father he wants your heart and that's what this teaching is about with judging. And so here's what I think Jesus is trying to teach us through this. Is first of all, don't judge others critically. Don't judge others critically. We know what it means to judge, sort of. We, we know what it means to be criticized. Maybe you have felt that. It doesn't feel good, does it? When somebody is, is critical of you. Now, critiquing is different, right? We know critiquing can have benefits, um, but being critical does not. That means judging means condemn, has the idea of condemnation. It has the idea of analyzing from a critical perspective. Or it really has this about it, to look down upon someone from a position of superiority. And we can do that, and we do it a lot. 
And some examples of judging, we, we're just, we know this, but it's criticizing, having critical thoughts of someone, or they're doing this the wrong way, or they're saying the wrong things, or they don't believe like I do, so there must be something wrong with them. They don't go to church as much as I do. They, they, they don't read their Bible or pray the way I do. They don't read the same Bible that I do. Their church doesn't have the same beliefs, so there's obviously something wrong with them. Do you see? We're, we're making judgment calls on people that are not like us or don't fit into our box. And Jesus says it this way. Here's verse 1 in context. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now you add verse 2 uh, onto verse 1, that's completely different, isn't it? This is like a warning sign. This should be flashing to us. This is, hey, you better take great care when you judge. Caution. Proceed with caution is what Jesus is saying. Why? Because the way that you judge others, you're going to be judged the same way. Wow. Think about that. It's in your best interest to judge others with care because it'll come back on you. It, it, it will. You know, it's okay to judge. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. It's okay to judge, but don't be judgmental. You know what I mean? Judgmental is more of a spirit. Don't have a judgmental spirit. It's an attitude, right? It's a reflection of, of the heart. Don't have a judgmental heart or a judgmental spirit. It's okay to, to be critical, but don't be critical of someone in a negative way in an unhealthy way and what we do sometimes is we look at others we're very focused on others critically but what we do is we fail to have a honest and realistic view of our own lives right maybe it's distorted maybe maybe our view of ourselves is distorted maybe we think we're better than what we actually are and that's scary isn't it when you get to that point and you it's distorted We begin to, I'm just going to be honest with you here. We begin to think that we are better than others. And uh, that's called um, self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. When you begin to, to see others as not as righteous as you are. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. He said that's wrong. I want to share with you this story. This will help you, I promise uh, this will help you see this very clearly. And it's in Luke chapter 18. Many of you know this story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus shares this in verse 9. Notice what Jesus says here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Do you see that there? Like they're just looking down on everybody else. They're at a lofty high position because they are toted high on their own self-righteousness, Right? They're way up there. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So you get that. One guy is supposed to be 
a certain way. He's supposed to be the, the faith guy, the religious guy, right? He's supposed to be the follower of God, the child of God. You would expect him to act one way. The other guy is a tax collector. And in this culture, they were despised simply by their occupation, right? So you would expect him to act a certain way. It doesn't go that way, though. Jesus tells it like this. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You see there? Looking at everybody else, even this guy. But then notice what he's doing to himself. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. You see, he's down on everybody else. At the same time, he's boosting himself up. He's bragging about himself. He's condemning here. He really is. And he's boasting about his own self-righteousness. And this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, don't be judgmental without first taking into consideration your own life and your own faults, which leads us to this. Um, and, I, and these build. You know, you have to start there. Uh, don't judge others critically, but judge yourself honestly. You've got to judge yourself honestly. Again, Jesus is not saying no judging, period, right? Uh, but he was stressing the importance of judging the right way. And guess who it starts with? It starts with you. It starts with yourself. Right? You, you, can't, you can judge, but you've got to make sure that you start with yourself first. And Jesus says this in verse 3 of Matthew 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is holding a mirror in front of all of us. And he's saying, look into it. Look into it. He causes you to grapple with your own heart, to wrestle with your own sinfulness, doesn't he? That's what it's all about. Look at yourself. Pay attention to yourself first, right? Uh, Jesus' teaching demands that we grapple with our own sinfulness rather than ignore it. That's the problem. That's the problem. You know, we want to focus on everybody else's stuff and ignore our own. Jesus said, that's not going to work. You know, John Piper has this quote. says, when you are more bothered by someone else's sin rather than your own, there's a problem. Isn't that true? When you are more bothered by somebody else's sin rather than your own sin, hey, that is a red flag big time. Heart's just not in the right place. What, what does Jesus say here, verse 5? You hypocrite. He's spoken about this before. A hypocrite is one who wears a mask, right? One who is fake and, and not real. One way on the outside, but different on the inside. You hypocrite. 
Notice the formula here. So here's the formula for judging. You want to judge? It's okay, but you follow this formula. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So you see there in verse 1, yeah, Jesus can't mean not to judge because he's given us the formula here for judging. For judging. It's you judge, it's okay. You take the speck out of someone's eye, it's okay. But first, you better pay attention to that, that log in your own eye. See, I was hoping to do this with um, my, wire, my headset, be easier. But uh, this is what I spank my kids with. I'm just kidding. Don't report me. Um, Jesus said log there. Log. Just a crazy analogy, right? But this is what he's saying here. He, he, and look, you will remember this, okay? This will stick with you for a long time. You'll never forget this sermon because it's so out there, right? This is what Jesus is saying. Don't do this. Don't walk around like this, talking to people. Here's what we do, all right? Man, look at them. Their life is messed up, Right? Oh, man, they don't, look at them. I can't believe they're saying that. I can't believe they're doing that, that they're going to mess up their life so bad. They need some help, right? Those people really need some help, don't they? I mean, I, w I wish everybody looked like me, right? What's wrong with them? What's wrong with people? Do you, do you see that there? Do, here's the thing. Got to make sure I don't poke my eye with this. Does this not look goofy to anybody? Does anybody think this looks cool? Here's what you fail to realize if this is you, how goofy you look. Like if I'm, if I'm out there in the parking lot and you're in here and you can, you can still see me from a long distance, very visible, Overly critical people stick out like a sore thumb. They stick out like a two-by-four in your eye. Right? You might think nobody notices, but you stick out. Right? Let me, do you want to be known for that? Do you want to be known for this? Like, is that what, you want people noticing you because of that? Um. I might offend some women here, so I apologize ahead of time. But uh, grills are made for men. Okay, Outdoor grills, barbecue, you know what I'm talking about? They really are. They're made for men. Um, the, the stove and microwave and fridge and all that stuff is, is all yours. But grills are just designed and intended and made for men. Um, we got a new grill a couple years ago, and I use it a lot, and I've been the only one to use it, okay? And uh, last week, Angela takes it upon herself to use the grill. Um, and I didn't know it. So I'm in the house just kind of messing around doing some stuff, and I hear screams. And I walk outside, and my grill's on fire. 
And when I mean, you know, there's a fire on a grill anyway. But this, these were shooting four feet in the air, outside of everywhere. And you know, usually a grill smells good, right? That aroma, that pleasing aroma that the Bible talks about. Um, this was not a good smell. It was like a chemical, like burning stuff that shouldn't be melting, right? And uh, so what do I do? I go into panic mode, and I, I run in like the guy off Baywatch, you know, David Hasselhoff, and I'm just, I'm running, and I'm diving in, and I'm ready to save the grill, you know? <laughs> in doing so, you know, I'm kind of jumping in head first, and, and I run my hand across the top of my deck rail, and I get a huge splinter. Now, when I, when, look, I know you're all saying, Zach, it was like this, about this big in my hand. I, I got the scar right, here, right there, you see it? You know, I'm not talking about a little tiny microscopic thing. It was huge. Um, my focus was on the grill, though. And, and Callie, my daughter, she's freaking out. Dad, you got to get the, the thorn out, the splinter. It looked, like a, it looked like a big thorn, a spike in my hand. Um, you know, here's the thing. If somebody has a splinter, the truth is it needs to be removed. You, you follow me? It's a, it's a foreign object. It's, it's something that's in a place that it does not belong. You see, it, it does need to be removed. But let me ask, if, you, if two people go into the ER, one has this in their eye, okay, and one has a splinter in their hand, who are they going to address first? This, right? This. This is the bigger problem. This is the bigger need. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, splinters need to be taken care of too. Hey, but the bigger need is the log, is the two by four, right? Right. Um, you need to be able to see Clearly, that's the problem with a lot of people when they're criticizing and making judgments is that they've got this and they're like, look at, you, look at them. <laughs> you know, thinking they just got this accurate view of somebody else's life and it's not. It's not. You can't see clearly because you've got this thing in your eye. You've got to take that out first. You've got to take a critical look at yourself first. What does that take, folks? it take to look at your own life and wrestle with your own sin? It takes humility, doesn't it? Humility. Uh, it, it takes a humble heart. You know, it's, it's realizing that you are not perfect. right? And it's realizing that, look, if it were not for the goodness and the love and the grace of God, your life would be messed up. You would be in a very bad place if it was not for the grace of God, right? That's what it takes. That's what you need to think. Going back to the Pharisee and tax collector, I want you to notice the difference here between these two guys. Luke 18, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance... He would not even look up to heaven, but be his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you see the difference there between these two guys? 
One is supposed to behave one way, and he's not. And one is expected to behave one way, and he's not. And Jesus is saying, look at this guy. That's what I want. Right? That's what I want. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference in the heart? One is stone cold. One is rock hard. The other is humble. Soft. Honest. Jesus says this in verse 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does that sound like? You will be judged with the same measure you use. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You know, how you judge others says more about you than it does about anyone else. It's how you judge. How you judge. Which leads us to the last truth about this is we need to use good judgment constantly. Right? Use good judgment constantly. When you judge, here's the thing. When you judge, you can either help or you can hurt. Right? God has in mind for us to help others and to use good judgment that way. Many times what I see is people not using good judgment and doing more harm than good. That's why it's important, folks, that, that this need to be able to see clearly. Otherwise, you could end up hurting rather than helping. So important. Then we get to this verse here, verse 6, and I'm going to warn you. It's strange. It's difficult. And many, many, many people wonder what it means, struggle with the meaning. I'm just going to read it, and I'll give you what I feel like God is trying to communicate to us. It says this, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. You might, how strange is that, by the way? Um, dogs, pigs, right? We first need to understand context, just like the whole do not judge thing. You know, I know we have lots of animal lovers in this church, right? I feel for you. I'm sorry about that. Um, Many of you may have lap dogs and Malty Poos and Yorkie Poodles and all that stuff. Lap dogs and all this. Um, in this culture, there were no pets. Imagine that. No pets. Dogs were not cute. They were not lap dogs. If a dog sat on your lap, you would get bit in the face, right, in this culture. No dogs in a home. Dogs were ravenous. They were in the streets. People avoided them or they ran them off. That's, that's the culture, okay? It might sound cruel and all that to you, but that's what it is. Um, no dogs in the home. Neither were there pigs in the home. <laughs> that's not as hard for us to imagine, right? But I used to sell insurance and work with farmers, and I've got to tell you, some of their pigs were actually part of the family. I mean, they had names for all of them and all this stuff. But, but, what Jesus is saying here is there's certain people that are not, not part of the family. And here, 
I'm, I'm paraphrasing what I'm thinking, if that makes sense. I think Jesus is saying we can't expect pigs and dogs to act like sheep. Do you follow me on that? You know, sometimes we're looking out there at people and we're like, why don't they believe that way? Or why don't they act the way I do? Or what? You can't expect dogs or pigs to act like sheep, right? And I'm guilty of that, big time. Big time. What, I, what we don't consider is somebody else's upbringing, somebody else's past, somebody... We don't even think the fact that somebody else may have never attended church, right? And they're just not even in the same area as you. They're not even the same animal class. That's how different they are. We fail to realize that somebody may have been beat by their mother or their father, and you don't know how, what that feels like. We fail to realize someone may come from a different past and be experiencing a different present and we fail to imagine the future for them, right? That's, I, I think that's what Jesus is saying here, is you can't always expect people to respond and act the way that you do. You can't. You know, sometimes, here's the truth. Sometimes it doesn't do any good to judge anybody, to judge someone. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, sometimes it can get to the point where it doesn't only hurt you, but it hurts, it hurts them, right? It can get to that point. I've seen, I've seen this where people get wrapped up in this, and it's back and forth and back and forth. And, and some people make it, oh, this is my life's mission to convert this person, right? Or to, to make a difference in this. I'm devoting my life to this. You know, and at some point, you know, it could get hurtful. Sometimes you may just need to leave it alone and just walk away and move on. Jesus said this exact same thing in Matthew 10, 14, when he's, descending his, he's sending his disciples out by twos, right? And he's sending them into towns, and he says this, if anyone does not welcome you, walk away and shake the dust off your feet, right? Right? Sometimes you just need to do your business, right, and then walk away. And, and leave it alone. Sometimes you may need to change your approach, right, in, in how you interact and relate to others. But what does this call for? Wisdom. In, ch in the church world, we use this word called discernment, right? It calls for that. It definitely calls for this to be out of your eye. That's, where I, that's the problem right there for most people. Like, if you get that out of your eye, you'll be able to tell, all right, I need to stop this. This is beginning to be hurtful for everybody. Maybe I'll try this, right? Do you see the difference? It's important that you use good judgment constantly. Why is that? Why is that? Here's the thing. This world is much bigger than you and me. God is doing something greater than your own life. God is doing something, a work, in the lives of other people that you cannot see. Here's the thing, though. He wants you to play a part in that. He wants you to interact with people that he is drawing to himself. 
And you see, we need to tread carefully in, in that. We don't want to push anyone away that God's calling to him. Otherwise, we're working against God. Do you see that? He's bringing people close to him, and we come in and just ruin, ruin it? We push them away? No. No. John three seventeen, For God did not send his son into the world to con- condemn the world. Do you see the word there? It's not why Jesus came. But, but to save the world through him. You know, folks, we would be a lot better off if we took our focus off of condemning and placed it upon saving. Right? That's why we're here. That's who we are. If we are Christians, we are in Christ. That's the reason he came. Then maybe we should pay less attention to judging and put more focus on saving. On saving people. You know, many times pounding the gospel down someone's throat or the Bible or why you believe this. Sometimes pounding that over and over again doesn't help. Many times people don't need to hear what you believe about Jesus. Many times what people need and what they're looking for is to see what you believe about Jesus. To see it, not hear it. See it. I want to end with this story here. Many of you are familiar with this story in John 8 of the woman caught in adultery. Okay? Um. And and again, once we go through this story together, you'll be able to see Jesus' point very clearly. John 8, verse 2, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, this is Jesus here, um, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Picture this, Jesus is going into the temple courts, and he's the teacher, and he sits down. Again, different in our culture than it is theirs. Here, if you're a teacher, you stand up. Students sit down in their desk, right? Here, the teacher sits down and everybody else stands up. Be awkward, but that's what's taking place. Notice what happens, verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. All right, does anybody see a problem with that? Imagine how embarrassed this woman was. All right, in the middle of teaching and doing all this stuff, oh, by the way, we got this, this girl and we're going to parade her in front of the group. They, uh, just imagine that. These are the religious guys. They bring her in front of the group and they said to Jesus, but in front of everybody, you see, in front of everyone else, they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Again, imagine how embarrassing that is. And they could have brought her in and said, Hey, uh, Jesus, this woman did something she shouldn't have done, right? They, did, they, did, they laid her baggage out for everybody to see. Paraded her around. Look at her. Look how she messed up. Can you believe she did this? This is terrible. I said this in verse 5. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So, you see all along, they are approaching this. They're doing this out of the wrong heart. Being critical. Being negative. Notice what Jesus did here. 
But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Right? Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Notice what Jesus says here. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? You see the word there? Condemnation? Condemn? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And neither do I condemn you. Isn't that good? Man, that is so good. And Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Did you see what Jesus did there? Did you see what he did? He didn't say, oh, it's okay. But he didn't lean in. He didn't lean in with that. Stop sinning, right? What you're doing is wrong. No. He leaned in with what? Grace. Grace. He didn't say, in the Bible it says not to do this. You're clearly in the wrong here. He leaned in with grace. He, he, changed, he changed his the approach. And I see, man, so many people would do well to have this approach, to lean in with grace. Not to, not to say, oh, I'm okay with sin, but just changing it up and doing it the way Jesus did. Jesus gave us a perfect example of how to judge. And he proceeded with it because, what, he was sinless, right? He didn't have a plank in his eye. And he did it perfectly and effectively. Did you know this? Um, many scholars believe uh, this is Mary Magdalene. It doesn't say her name here. Um, but, but many believe this is Mary Magdalene. Um, and Mary Magdalene would be one of the last people at the cross of Christ. At the, at the bottom, at Jesus' feet, weeping, when, when everybody else ran? What does that tell you and me? She became a follower of Jesus. Um, here's the thing. Mary Magdalene was the first person to see Jesus raised from the grave. Okay? You follow me? Do you know the first words that Mary Magdalene said when she saw Jesus? Rabboni means teacher. What was Jesus doing in this? He was sitting down to teach. That moment burnt into her soul, into her heart, and she could not ever get over that. And that's what she remembered her whole life. She became a follower of Jesus. And to, to her, he was the teacher that did not judge. He was the teacher that offered grace. And at the cross, he was the Lord that died for her and loved for her. And when he rose, he was the teacher that said, Hey, this is not who you are. This is not your identity. I have a new life for you. 
just think, I can't help but think, if Jesus would have went with the flow, went with those guys, what would have happened to Mary? He could have even dumbed it down a little bit and said, hey, guys, you're being too hard on her. And, and, and right, he could have said, look, yes, you are guilty. And he didn't do that at all. Complete opposite. Look, folks, that's why we need to use good judgment constantly because you never, you never know about the other end, right? You never know about that person or that, that group of people, God's plan for them. I was talking to uh, Chad this week, and I always talk to him about the sermon, and I really preach to him about 90 times <laughs> before I preach to you once. Um, and I got to this story, and it really blew both of us away. I've never really made the connection in Scripture. Um, but he came up with this statement here, with this question, are you a judge or are you a Jesus? Man, wouldn't we do good to think that when we interact with people? Are you a judge or are you a Jesus? Are you the, are you the type of person who demonstrates the grace of God to others? Is that what you're known for? Or are you known for, known for that? Known for that. I want to share with you this card. And uh, to show you how God works, I just got this this week. Um, oh, I may have gotten it sooner, Virginia, but I just read it this week. Um, I'm not going to mention any names. But we had a family that was a part of our church for a while. They, they moved from out of town here and were here for a season and retired and moved on. Okay, um, Got a card from them. It says, uh, we pray this card finds you, your family, and church family well and at peace. You have been such an instrumental part. Um, I'm not going to mention names. Let's see, how do I say this? Part of us growing from infants in Christ to young adults in Christ. That's humility right there. Your friendship, leadership, and guidance was the water to our budding growth. You and I had a conversation early in our attendance at Community Heights that has laid very heavy on our hearts, especially mine. You knew we were not religiously or legally married, but we were living together under a vow of commitment. Um, and I talked to these people. They were living together, not married, okay? Um, and after talking to them, I could understand why a little bit, okay? Still doesn't make it right, but just honestly just talking to them, hey, I don't know what I would do, right? That's sort of where I was at with it. Um, he goes on to say, "You listen, he says, you did not judge. Got that this week. You did not judge, but instead offered love. You posed the question of our faith in God to provide. We continued to try to live a Christian life, and God has so blessed us. That message from you, supported by other spiritual teachers, kept that at the forefront of our life. God spoke heavily to us to trust him, and we obeyed. We married on April 17th at our new church. And it's a new church. It's a church plant. And we were taking part of it. We opened the doors. My wife and I, on the very first Sunday, we got to welcome others. We plan on membership. We plan on, on baptism next. 
you and Community Heights Church hold a very special place in our hearts. Thank you for all the love and acceptance. Wish our church family all of our love. Man, you just never know, do you? You never know what's going on in somebody's life, what they're dealing with. And, and you lean in with grace, and it changes things. It honors God, and it builds the kingdom. They're planting the church. Two, two, I want to make two statements, and I'm going to pray. Being overly critical makes you less credible. You know, we got enough people out there like that. We've got enough people out there being overly critical. And you know what the world wants? Nothing to do with them. Hey, if, if that's the type of Christianity, if, that, if that's what you got, I don't want it. However, being more gracious makes you less judgmental and more like Jesus. That's good, isn't it? I think we all could learn a valuable lesson from Jesus on grace and how to treat others with grace rather than unhealthy, judgmental condemnation because that's what he did with you and that's what he did with me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today and the truth that you taught us. Father, I pray that we would not judge in a negative way, that we would not condemn others, that we would not look at others from a uh, position of loftiness or look down upon anybody. Father, that takes um, humility. I pray that we would have that. That takes a humble heart for us to look at ourselves and first address our own baggage and our own sin before we go pointing out faults of other people. Help us to get our hearts right with you and to live in that so that we can see clearly because the truth is there are people out there that need you. There are people out there that are caught and wrapped up into sin and we, we have to run into that. We have to go into that, but we, we need to go into that sin clearly. And Father, as your son Jesus has taught us, we need to go into that with grace, with grace. That's what this world needs to see. That's what changes people. That's what is attractive to people. Grace. That's what you showed us through your son Jesus. All of us have sinned. All of us are deserving of punishment and death. But your son Jesus took that for us, forgave us, and showed us grace. I pray that we would do the same with other people. In your precious Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.